Welcome to What Christians Should Know, hosted by Dr. Elijah Sadoffel. This podcast equips you with clarity and meaningful answers about God, the Bible, and your Christian life. Now, here's Dr. Sadoffel. Thank you for the musical intro. Good evening, church. We are going to find ourselves once again in Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, verses 14 to 15. God likes changing plans. I had a plan to do a two-part series on forgiveness. Now it's going to be three. So this evening will be part number two, and then God willing, in three weeks, we'll have Part number three. Tonight we'll be focusing on unforgiveness. So, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15. Jesus says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do, but if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Last time we established the reality that divine forgiveness is not conditional on human forgiveness. Rather, earthly forgiveness is depicted as a response to what our master has done, to what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. The person now who understands what God has done, and who treasures, who values, who sees worth in the atoning blood of Christ on the cross. That is the person who is now freed to forgive others. And we ended by saying, as, Matthew, as Jesus says in Matthew 6.15, if the person who does not forgive is forsaken by God, then why is unforgiveness so popular? And the answer is because unforgiveness is a very attractive temptation. Because unforgiveness is a very attractive temptation. Look at in context what Jesus says in Matthew 6 verse 12. He says, teaching the Lord's Prayer, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Next verse, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Next verse, for if you forgive others, etc., etc. Meaning, church, in speaking about forgiveness wedged in between, Jesus talks about not being led into temptation and unforgiveness is alluring because it's a temptation. Here's my single soul solitary point tonight. Unforgiveness is dangerous because it is seemingly attractive. Unforgiveness is dangerous because it is seemingly attractive. Unforgiveness is lethal because it is spiritual suicide. Unforgiveness is lethal because it is spiritual suicide. So what is unforgiveness? Let us define terms. 
Essentially, unforgiveness is the antithesis of the, of the definition of forgiveness we developed last week. Unforgiveness means to keep inside. Unforgiveness means to hold on to. Unforgiveness means to retain. In plain language, unforgiveness speaks to when a person keeps bitterness tucked away, they harbor anger because they desire vengeance, and they retain a receipt of the wrong that someone else did. Here's what unforgiveness is. This is going to be imaginary role playing. Sister Gwen did something wrong, making this up. And I have the receipt in my hand. And the receipt says, Gwendolyn Edwards, December 24th, 2017, 1.78 p.m. And I pull out the receipt and I say, bam, look at what you did. And because I'm holding on to that receipt, because it's now something tangible, that's evidence, that's proof that I can look at, every, now I, every time I now pull out that receipt, I rehearse I remember what was done, which reignites and reaflames all of the negative emotions and feelings. And unforgiveness using figurative language means I keep that receipt and keep it right here in my shirt pocket. Unforgiveness means doing things positively. The person who is unforgiving hopes that the other person gets hurt desires that their friends and family do not prosper and gets happy when the other person suffers calamity. The unforgiving person in no way, shape, or form wants reconciliation because the other person is simply wrong and doesn't deserve it. Unforgiveness is also negative, a lack of. Unforgiveness denies the humanity of the other person. What happened in Matthew chapter 18? The slave who rejected the worth of his master's forgiveness treated someone else as if he was not a person. He simply choked him out and threw him in jail because that unforgiveness now animated a lack of human worth. Practically applied. Now, I'm not talking about anyone in this room because I know everyone here is very civil and proper. But there are many people in this day and age who look at a particular person in political power. I don't even have to name him. And people, now, no one is saying what he's doing is morally right. We're not making that claim. But plenty of people in response to a particular person will say, I won't forgive that person for what they said. I won't forgive that person for what they did. Now, as a result, now I can dehumanize them. Now, as a result, I can speak about them and regard them as less than an individual because they don't deserve it. What's one reason why 50% of marriages in America end in divorce? One reason is unforgiveness. Someone else messed up. They don't deserve, they don't merit to be forgiven. Then adios to you. Now the reality, church, is this. When something happens, that's objectively and morally wrong, we're going to get upset. And if you're someone who walks in the path of godliness 
and you're subjected to objective darkness, you should get upset. If you don't, there's something wrong. When we speak about unforgiveness, though, we're not talking about that acute new reaction. We're not talking about that initial human response to react to something in the short term. When we're defining terms now and asking ourselves, what is unforgiveness? It's not an acute right now response. Rather, it's a settled position. It's a willful determination that formalizes and becomes more concrete over time where now the person decides not to forgive, where they say, there is no way I will ever forgive because I can't. It's not in my ability. The person is settled, they will never forgive and they can't because they have no intention to. So that's what unforgiveness is. Now the question is, why is unforgiveness so dangerous? because it is rooted in unbelief and idolatry. It's rooted in unbelief and idolatry. It's rooted in unbelief because you doubt that God's way is better. You doubt that God's way of forgiveness and reconciliation is better. It's rooted in idolatry because now the ultimate thing is me. Now the ultimate thing is the injustice that I suffered. Beloved, think about this for a second. When a person decides not to forgive, they actually cede control of part of their life to someone who did something wrong. Because now the, the iniquity or the actions of another now get to dictate part of my life, part of how I respond part of how I interact in my everyday worldview with other human beings. Imagine, church, that there could be someone who's locked away a thousand miles away behind bars, on death row, and they're going to lose their life in the next 10 days. But if there's unforgiveness in someone's heart, that person locked up in a jail cell a thousand miles away can control how you and I respond here. Unforgiveness is so powerful, beloved, we can even harbor unforgiveness against people who are no longer here on earth. It can actually penetrate through the ground and still control us 10 years after, 20 years after, 30 years after. Unforgiveness is dangerous because when God says, vengeance is mine, Romans 12, 19, the person who is, who is unforgiving says, actually, God, vengeance is mine, and I'll take it from here. So that's what unforgiveness is. That's why it's dangerous. Why is unforgiveness attractive? Because unforgiveness comes with a short-term benefits package. It's packaged very attractively and makes a person think they'll actually get out ahead by using it in the short term. Unforgiveness gives, presumably, a person three Ps. Power, purpose, and position. Power, purpose, and position. Unforgiveness fuels power. In other words, 
I tell someone, you did something wrong or you failed. This now means that the other person is less than and I am better than. And now I have that receipt, which I may now pull out at any point in the relationship. And now use that as power to gain leverage. And of course, if unforgiveness fuels power in that way and makes the other individual unrighteous, what does that make me righteous? Self-justification. Our sense of worth now comes from others, and the worse off everyone else is, the more powerful I am. Second short-term benefit, unforgiveness grants purpose. The purpose is that now the world revolves around me because everyone owes me. Why? Because I deserve it. Unforgiveness justifies and rationalizes selfishness and sin and makes a person feel very comfortable with living in a world that is self-centered. The person who is unforgiving, beloved, is genuinely hurt. And the unfortunate reality with the world in which we live is that people who are hurt invariably hurt other people. Final P, unforgiveness falsely elevates the, the, the person's position to supplant that of God, where now the self becomes the ultimate judge of reality. Now, church, here's the most unsettling and disturbing part. Unforgiveness isolates you. It fractures relationships and separates you from everyone around you. So the persistent worldview of unforgiveness invariably puts you on the island of me where the population never grows greater than one. Unforgiveness breaks bonds between you and someone else because you may think you're better than the other person and the other person doesn't want to be around someone who's unforgiving. But the worst part is this, the isolation of unforgiveness. It's not dangerous because it separates us from other people. It's dangerous because it separates us from God. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15. This is why unforgiveness is spiritual suicide. Because although a person may think it benefits them in the short term, it actually distances themselves from their maker. Unforgiveness has nothing to do with love, nothing to do with a desire to please God or the grace of the gospel. And as with anything else in the Christian life, when we look to Jesus Christ on the cross and look for clarity and meaningful answers to discern reality, the cross always makes sense of everything. Because how did God respond? How did God choose to reconcile with sinners who did not deserve forgiveness? God is the only being in the universe that's perfect. God is the only being in the universe who everybody owes him everything. But how did God respond? By actively working to send his son to die on a cross. God didn't respond by sending more wrath 
or by sending more anger. God responded to broken people by forgiving them and allowing his son to die so he could justly do so. Let us also not forget, beloved, that when we talk about forgiveness and unforgiveness, we're often talking about those things you or I or someone else does wrong that we know about. But guess what? God is so gracious, God is so good, the atoning blood of Jesus on the cross forgives us for the stuff we don't even know about. I dare say, because God is holy, because God is perfect, if you go through your day and say, I committed 10 sins today, that probably means you actually committed 100 because of disease of mind and intent, the stuff we don't even know about. God graciously and kindly forgives us through Christ on the cross. Church, that is why unforgiveness is so dangerous and why it is spiritual suicide. Now, let's not presume forgiveness is not something reflexive. Forgiveness is not something that's easy. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is also proactive. It's something we must apply ourselves to. But by the grace of God, forgiveness also gives us benefits in life. So next time, God willing, in three weeks, the final part three, we're going to talk about the benefits of forgiveness and how to do it. And we want to know how to do it because that's how God did it. We want to know how to do it because that is what the child of God does. They freely and openly forgive because God first forgave us. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more valuable resources, including a bookstore and online Bible study, visit wcsk.org.